All right. Oh, that's good. Well, good, good to have you with us, Randy, since, uh, yeah, with, with uh, your classes being out. Um, and yeah, normally I like to have it set up to where that we can hear the people on Zoom. I've got a mic out there for you guys so they can hear you better. Um, none of that happened this week. So uh, sorry about that, those who wanted to have that. So I, I will, what I'll try to do is uh, those of y'all that are here, I'll repeat the question for the recording or the, the statement or summarize it. Um, or something like that. So, uh, okay, this is going to be our fourth homily in the first book of homilies. And this is the short declaration of the true, lively, and Christian faith. So, um, I don't know if you have that, the page number there, Pam, for the Braze edition. 31, if you have the Braze edition, if you've got the uh, Griffiths edition or the PDF that I sent out ages ago, <laughs> then uh, that's on page. 36. All right, so let's talk about this one a little bit before we get into it. And like normal, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll go ahead and read it, um, kind of take it paragraph by par paragraph, then we'll discuss a little bit. So um, this one was also written by Archbishop Cramer, just like the previous one. So we're pretty sure that number one on scripture was by him. Uh, number two was not, the one on sin was not. It was by one of the uh, the opponents of the Reformation, actually, but number three on um, faith on salvation by faith alone was definitely by Archbishop Cranmer, and this one is also by Archbishop Cranmer. Number four, the homily on the true Christian faith, and really, what we're going to see is that this is kind of an extension of what we already talked about. So um, the the idea of of being saved by faith alone naturally leads us to say, okay, what is Christian faith? What is true Christian faith? And so this is gonna be in three parts. And um, today we're gonna to really look at two different subjects, um, the difference between a dead faith and a living faith. And then we're gonna look at the good works of faith, good works of faith. All right, so let's, uh, let's get into this. A short declaration of the true, lively, and Christian faith, also known as the homily of faith. The first coming unto God, good Christian people, is through faith, whereby, as it is declared in the last sermon, we be justified before God. And lest any man should be deceived for lack of right understanding hereof, it is diligently to be noted that faith is taken in the scripture in two manners of way. Okay, so we have two senses of faith in the scriptures is what Archbishop Cramer is saying. Continuing. There is one faith which in scripture is called a dead faith, which bringeth forth no good works, but is idle, barren, and unfruitful. And this faith by the holy apostle St. James is compared to the faith of devils, which believe God to be true and just, and tremble for fear, yet they do nothing well but all evil. And such a manner of faith have the wicked and naughty Christian people, which confess God, as St. Paul saith, in their mouth, but deny him in their deeds, being abominable and without the right faith, and to all good works reprovable. And this faith is a persuasion and belief in man's heart, whereby he knoweth that there is a God, and agreeeth unto all the truth of God's most holy word contained in Holy Scripture, so that it consisteth only in believing the word of God that it is true. And this is not properly called faith, but as he that readeth 
Caesar's commentaries believing the same to be true hath thereby a knowledge of Caesar's life and notable acts because he believeth the history of Caesar. Yet it is not properly said that he believeth in Caesar of whom he looketh for no help nor benefit. Even so he that believeth that all that is spoken of God in the Bible is true and yet liveth so ungodly that he cannot look to enjoy the promises and benefits of God. Although it may be said that such a man hath faith and belief to the words of God, yet is, it is not properly said that he believeth in God, or hath such a faith and trust in God, whereby he may surely look for grace, mercy, and everlasting life at God's hand, but rather for indignation and punishment according to the merits of his wicked life. For as it is written in a book instituted to be of Didymus Alexandrius, Quote, for as much as faith without works is dead, it is not now faith, as a dead man is not a man, unquote. This dead faith, therefore, is not that sure and substantial faith which saveth sinners. Okay, so, so if you're going to summarize what Archbishop Cramer says um, about a dead faith, what, what might you say is kind of the chief thing that is a dead faith? Like if you could give it in a, in a very short summary. Okay, so it's merely an intellectual assent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that, that's kind of where he said, um, it may be said that such a man hath faith and belief to the words of God, yet it is not properly said that he believeth in God or had faith and trust in God. Oh, well, what else characterizes? So, so sometimes you'll hear so someone say that um, if you have um, a, a kind of worship that doesn't look a certain way, maybe they're the quote frozen chosen, you know, then that's just an intellectual faith. That's not a real faith. If you had a real faith, it would look a different way. Is that what's going on here? No, <laughs> no. Agreement without obedience. That's huge. So a, a true faith is characterized by obedience. He who obeys my word believes in me, Jesus said. Um, my mother, my brothers are those who, who, to who hear my commands and do it and, and do them. Yeah. He listens to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And anything else to add, Pam? You, you, you can talk the talk, but are you walking the walk? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's some good Southern uh, down home, down home uh, statement right there. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I do I do like that um, Cranmer uh, pointed us back to the Epistle of James, uh, Saint James, where he um, said the devils have this kind of faith. You know, if the, if the, if the demons the demons believe and then and they tremble, but they're not actually obedient. Okay. Let's continue on then. This is not this is not a long. When it says there's a short declaration, this is a short declaration. This is probably a seven minute homily. That's this first part of it. So, um, sorry for all of my uh, reform friends out there. Uh, Archbishop Cramer was uh, doing something 
more like an Anglo-Catholic than a Reformed guy. Uh, whether he should or not is, is up, to, up, to, up to other people to judge. Okay, continuing on. Another faith there is in Scripture, which is not as the, for, as the foresaid faith, idle, unfruitful, and dead, but worketh by charity, as St. Paul declareth in Galatians chapter 5, which, as the other vain faith is called a dead faith, so may this be called a quick or lively faith. Um, in Cranmerian English, the word quick is usually about being alive, not being fast, okay? Um, and this is not only the common belief of the articles of our faith, but it is also a sure trust and confidence of the mercy of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and a steadfast hope of all good things to be received at God's hand. And that, although we through infirmity or temptation of our ghostly enemy do fall from him by sin, yet, if we return again unto him by true repentance, that he will forgive and forget our offenses for his son's sake, our Savior Jesus Christ, and will make us inheritors with him of his everlasting kingdom. And that in the meantime, until that kingdom come, he will be our protector and defender in all perils and dangers, whatsoever do chance. And that, though sometimes he doth send us sharp adversity, yet that evermore he will be a loving father unto us, correcting us for our sin, but not withdrawing his mercy finally from us, if we trust in him and commit ourselves wholly unto him, hang only upon him and call upon him, ready to obey and serve him. This is the true, lively, and unfeigned Christian faith, and is not in the mouth and outward profession only, but it liveth and stirreth inwardly in the heart. And this faith is not without hope and trust in God, nor without the love of God and of our neighbor, nor without the fear of God, nor without the desire to hear God's word and to follow the same in eschewing evil and doing gladly all good works. This faith, as St. Paul describeth it, is the sure ground and foundation of the benefits which we ought to look for and trust to receive of God, a certificate and sure looking for them, although they yet sensibly appear not unto us. And after he saith, he that cometh to God must believe both that he is and that he is merciful rewarder of all doers, and nothing committeth good men unto God so much as this assured faith and trust in him. Okay, so if you're going to summarize this lively faith, this quick and living faith, um, briefly, how would you do that? Okay, it's a faith that bears fruit, and, and that fruit is in your life. Yeah, it's in obedience. Okay. So bearing fruit, such the, so that people can see Christ in you. Okay, so it's a so a lively faith is one that trusts in Christ in God's mercy, and therefore is going to have some sort of peace. Okay. What, 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 do, you, what do you think, Randy? It's, it's like, that's like my grandfather, when I used to ask him if he wanted uh, vanilla or chocolate, he'd just say yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
bird or two do it, even though there might be additional things. But uh, it doesn't mean it's not a living tree. Yeah. Correction in the life not, doesn't mean it's not a living tree. And that the correction can be there for a you know, more living tree. Yeah. So yeah, God, God will chastise us. He will discipline us. Sometimes we are going to have adversity. And I think that's an important thing too, because we, we hear that sometimes from, from, from some Christians that say, well, um, if you really have faith, you're not going to have any suffering, right? You know, you're going to, you're going to have, um, you, you know, by your faith, you're going to bring everything, bring, bring about all good blessings. And if there's, there's no blessings, that must mean that there's a problem with your faith. And that's not the kind of faith that we're talking about here. Right, that would call into question the faith of the apostles. That's absolutely right. So yeah, okay. So so we we even with a lively faith, we're, we are we are going to suffer at times. We're going to be sometimes even disciplined by God. He's going to allow um, things to happen that will bring us back to Him when we walk away. Um, so so I, I would I would say there's really kind of two facets that, that that's emphasized here. One is that 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 trust in Christ. And that trust in Christ brings an inward change, which comes to the other facet, and that other facet is the obedience. So trust and obedience, and that obedience being something that flows from that trust in Christ. That's kind of how I would summarize that. But uh, yeah, all all of that, all that y'all have said is absolutely true. Yeah, all all those things are true, because, you know, what are are some of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love. Yes, all of those things. My kids could could uh, rattle them off in song form very quickly, and they would be quick to point out that um, if you want to be a grape, you cannot be a fruit of the spirit. Um, there's a song about that somewhere. Um, yeah, so yeah, all the fruits of the spirit, um, enduring despite despite troubles, um, enduring the chastising of the Lord when He does discipline and chastise us, um, a, a life that is marked. In, by those Christian virtues, one that 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 it, it, you can tell that person is indeed a Christian. Um, absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's continue on. This is uh, page thirty-eight in the Griffiths edition. Of this faith, three things are specially to be noted: first, that this faith doth not lie dead in the heart but is lively and fruitful in bringing forth good works. So that's exactly what Pam was saying, right? Second, that without it can no good works be done. So that's kind of the fruits of the spirit type of thing, right? If you, if you don't have this, this lively faith, you're not going to be doing good works. Um, so yeah, second, that without it can no good works be done that should be acceptable and pleasant to God. Okay, so let's put a bookmark there. Third, what manner of good works they be that this faith doth bring forth. So let's, um, let, let's expound on this a little bit before we discuss it. For the first, as the light cannot be hid, but will show forth itself at one place or, or another, so a true faith cannot be kept secret, but when occasion is offered, it will break out and show itself by good works. And as the living body of a man ever exerciseth such things as belongeth to a natural and living body for nourishment and preservation of the same, as it hath need, opportunity, and occasion, even so the soul that hath a lively faith in it will be doing always some good work, which shall declare that it is living and not be unoccupied. So there, there's, the, there's that fruits of good works, right? A living faith bears fruits and good works because it can't help but bear fruits and good works. It's just, it's the natural consequences 
of having a lively faith. I do like that the uh, that Archbishop said um, will show forth itself one place or other. It doesn't always look like the way we think it's supposed to look, right? I mean, like, like we, we can have false expectations of ourselves or of our brethren, but, um, but there will be some form of good works. You know, not everybody is super extroverted about their faith, right? Some people just are just more, that they're just naturally more private, but they're still going to be doing good, good works to God's glory. Um, even if it's not as uh, demonstrative as some other folks might be. Yeah. Yeah, and then that's that's absolutely true. There, 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 there certainly can be those who don't have a living faith. Either they have kind of the more intellectual ascent approach, or maybe no faith at all. Um, not even, not even that that kind of just in, just head knowledge type faith. Um, who they they can do things that that are at least by external appearances good, um, but. But, you know, there's going to be different motivations and the motivations are going to be bad. And the truth is we all have mixed motivations one way or the other. And, and I, so I think, and we'll, we'll get to this in just a second um, on that second part, without this faith, no good work be done that shall be acceptable and pleasant unto God because God knows what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God, God, God knows what's glorifying Him rather than this, than, than what's glorifying the self. God knows our true motivations. Um, he sees the inside; we only see the outside. All right, let's uh, let's continue on. Therefore, when men hear in the Scriptures so high commendations of faith that it maketh us to please God, to live with God, and to be ch the children of God. If then they fantasy that they be set at liberty from doing all good works and may live as they list, they trifle with God and deceive themselves. And it is a manifest token that they be far from having the true and lively faith and far also far from knowledge what true faith meaneth. For the very sure and lively Christian faith is not only to believe all things of God which are contained in Holy Scripture, but also is an earnest trust and confidence in God that he doth regard us and that he is careful over us as the father is over the child whom he doth love, and that he will be merciful unto for, for his only son's sake, and that we have our Savior Christ, and that we, let me try that again, and that we have our Savior Christ, our perpetual advocate and priest, in whose only merits, oblation, and suffering, we do trust that our offenses be continually washed and purged, whensoever we, repenting truly, do return to him with our whole heart, steadfastly determining with ourselves through his grace to obey and serve him in keeping his commandments and never to turn back to sin. Such is the truth faith the scriptures, the scripture doth so much commend, the which when it seeth and considereth what God hath done for us is also moved through continual assistance of the spirit of God to serve and please him, to keep his favor, to fear his displeasure, to continue his obedient children, showing thankfulness again by observing or keeping his commandments, and that freely, for true love chiefly, and not for dread of punishment or love of temporal reward, 
considering how clearly without our deservings we have received his mercy and pardon freely. Okay, so this last part gets to that, that issue of motivation, right? Um, we're, we're obedient because we love him. That's the way it's supposed to be. Not because we're afraid of punishment, not because we were looking for some sort of earthly reward. Um, you know, it's supposed to be simply because we love him. Yeah. And I don't know that we're going to get quite to this point on, on Sunday when we go back to um, uh, Aquinas and the law. But um, when we get to the part on the divine law, so God's revealed word, you know, the law and God's word, um, you know, uh, the chief thing Aquinas says is the big difference between the old law and the new law is that motivation, that the main thing, I'm not sure he's 100% right about this, but, 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 but he says the main thing motivating folks in, in the old covenant is fear of punishment, whereas the main thing that should be motivating us in the new covenant is, is, is love. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that's true, although I think there is, there is a, a big element of truth there. From a fear perspective, yeah. Yeah, so we might, we might need to talk about that when we get into, but, but at any rate, um, but yeah, so motivations is a big thing. Um, the, uh, and again, we have, we have that, that issue of, of, of trust, of, of, you know, faith, true faith being synonymous with trust. I think that's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is another time when uh, going, you know, AJ brought up Psalm 119 regarding the, the, the old law, but, but it, the Psalms in general, um, you know, they're, they're brutally honest about the bad stuff going on in the world, but also they are quick to remind us that God does know what he's doing, that he is in charge, that um, he's the one that um, makes wars to cease and, you know, that other sort of thing. Um, if not right now, you know, in his timing. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a, but yeah, it's, it's a, it can be sometimes very tough when we see what's going on. Um, but, but that's, that's, I think when he, uh, when he calls us to, to trust him all the more. Yeah. Pam, you look like you have something to say there. Yeah. All right, well, let's, uh, let's bring it on home with this last paragraph. 
This true faith will show forth itself and cannot long be idle. For as it is written, the just man doth live by his faith. He neither sleepeth nor is idle when he should wake and be well occupied. And God by his prophet Jeremiah saith that he is a happy and blessed man which hath faith and confidence in God. For he is like a tree set forth or set by the waterside that spreadeth his roots abroad toward the moisture and feareth not the heat when it cometh. His leaf will be green, and it will not cease to bring forth his fruit. Even so, faithful men, putting away all fear of adversity, will show forth the fruit of their good works, as occasion is offered to do them. Okay, so I think he, we're going we're gonna to unpack those other two, two, two issues, because he gave us those three things, um, three things to be noted. And I think those get unpacked as we move on in the other two parts of this homily. So this is where the, uh, the first part ends um uh here yeah so sometimes um you know in in uh in his uh kind of little guide to the homilies um gerald bray points out when when talking about this one i think it's not quite this part but one of the other parts that you can see that um archbishop Cramer is very much a addressing this this accusation against the protestant approach which says if it's faith alone then you're just going to have um a, a, a faith a faith that has no works you know if you don't have works as you know contributing to your salvation if you're not justified by your work you're just not going to do good works and at every turn um you know the the, the reformers say no that's just not the case <laughs> You know, it's 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 not faith if it doesn't have good works, but those good works are the result of, of of the faith. They're the fruit of the faith, not the thing that either brings you to faith or um, you add that to your faith to somehow earn your earn your justification. And I think that's that's the big. So so th this is this is something that we do see emphasized again and again. All right, any anything further on this? So this is a this is a bit shorter of uh, the next three weeks will probably be a little bit shorter than some of the other ones, but. Seems like it's a little bit related to all that. Faith and 
Yeah. And and yeah, that, that's that's often the way that um, you know that that's that's the definitely kind of from the more reform perspective, um, you know this this idea that you you cannot lose your salvation. It's a very big part of of kind of the, their core understanding of of, of the gospel. Um, I, I would say that our our own formularies on that don't really weigh in. Like they basically say, look, we're going to trust God. You know, and be, so we can't have assurance because we can trust in God because God is trustworthy. Um, but also, we need to make sure that we're actually walking the way we're supposed to walk. So, so there's this constant call to repentance, not because there's this fear of maybe I've sinned so much I've I've fallen out of salvation, as much as that's what Christian walk is. It is repentance, and so so like, yeah, there, there's and I think that that's kind of where. Just kind of from a real practical standpoint, they're like, "Look, okay, we're, we 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 call the baptized to repentance, not to not to conversion, and um, we call the unbaptized to conversion because we're trusting that God means what He says." Now we all know, you know, basically, this, some parts of the church would say that kind of a heart level conversion doesn't always happen until sometime after baptism, but that doesn't matter because God's you know, we're, we're, we're still going to call the, 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 the baptized to repentance, um, regardless of how far you've fallen or not fallen. And so there's this kind of generous, generous assumption that, okay, we can trust God. Um, but he also had, gives us some responsibilities. And if we are not showing forth any fruit of faith, um, that, that may mean that, that our faith is a dead faith. Um, but praise the Lord, he can raise from the dead, right? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so yeah, and then that, like, like article, um, yeah, there, there's a, the article on sin after baptism is really big on this, uh, just in terms of, you know, and, and, and I mean, because I very much, I very much, because what can happen is, um, if you're afraid of this idea, so like the caricature of being afraid of losing your salvation can be that every time you fall into sin, you think that God's abandoned you and, you, and you know, and, and you can't really trust God, right? That's kind of a caricature. I don't know very many people who that's actually the way they, even, the, even the more Arminian approach, I don't really know too many people that they actually do that, but that is a caricature. And usually the people that do fall into that, um, there's either some so something going on psychologically or emotionally kind of like scrupulosity or, you know, which, which is a form of OCD, you know, it's a very religious form of OCD, that kind of thing. Um, that, or like a light form, you know, that, that might, that might be the case. Or they're just really, really ignorant in the faith. Like, like they don't really know the fundamentals of the faith. The other side of the coin though, and, and golly, I used to see this all the time in kind of more baptistic circles when I was younger. If it's a once saved, always saved, and I had once shown some signs of faith, but then I fell away into sin, therefore I must never have been saved in the first place. 
And so every time that traveling evangelist comes into town, two thirds of the youth group and half the deacons get saved again. Yeah, get rebaptized, they get resaved. And I think that is more dangerous than the other, at least in our culture, because I don't really see the other where people are afraid that they've lost their salvation so much. What I do see, especially in, in evangelicalism here in this country, and I can't speak for other cultures, but in our country, especially here in the South, rather than actually deal with issues of repentance, we just say, oh, I was never saved. Let me have a start, a, a do-over. Okay, we can deal with that do-over, but let's deal with those issues. Let's deal with the repentance, you know, because repentance implies I got to take care of some business, right? I got, I got, to, I got to make some stuff right. Not so that God will accept me, but because I've made some stuff wrong and I need to do something about it. But if I can say I wasn't saved, then I can kind of brush some of that under the table, you know. And and you don't see too many actual new conversions doing this. That's more Christians who've fallen away and kind of backslid and come back. At least that's been my experience. Now other people may have have other experience. Yeah, it is, and that might be dramatic repentance. It might be less dramatic repentance, and then, and that's okay, you know. <laughs> the 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 so, yeah. So here's here's um here's what our one of what our articles have to say about this. I think this is a really good one. This is um of sin after baptism. Not every, every deadly sin willingly committed after baptism is a sin against the Holy Ghost and unpardonable. Wherefore, the grant of repentance is not to be denied to such as fall into sin after baptism. After we have received the Holy Ghost, we may depart from grace given and fall into sin. And by the grace of God, we may rise again and amend our lives. And therefore, they are to be condemned, which say they can no more sin as long as they live here or deny the place of forgiveness to such as truly repent." Interestingly here, even though it uses the phrase, depart from grace given, this is not speaking in, a, you know, in what we would kind of call a justification. This is not a justification issue. This is not a, a salvation in that when we kind of equate justification with salvation issue. I don't think that's what they're getting at here. I think they're just talking about there's grace when we're walking with God, and when we sin, we depart from it. And even, and, and even if we fall into real grievous sin, we have that opportunity. Um, you know, I would, my understanding of the, of the sin against the Holy Ghost is basically your heart's gotten so hard, you're never coming back. I mean, you, you've, you've um, blocked out the, the, that convicting voice of the Holy Spirit so much and hardened your heart against it that um, he said, okay, have it your way. Um, that's my understanding of the sin against the Holy Ghost. Like, if you're worried about it, you haven't done it. I mean, because <laughs> you wouldn't worry about it if you had done it. So that, that's, and I, I, I like that because it is very, you know, again, we're, we're, we're kind of in the context, you know, Anglicanism is in, is in the context of, of Christendom, right? This is a very practical, regular life sort of approach to the faith. Um, you don't have a lot of superstars in, in Anglicanism, you know, they, you know, no, nobody's, nobody's looking to become a superstar evangelist who's an Anglican. Cause that's just not part of the spirituality of it all. Um, you know, 
the, the, the most they might, they might want to do is become a bishop, but then, you know, they probably ought not be one. <laughs> so. That's a huge part of the way the approach, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think there's a big if 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 when we're called to repentance, we just kind of like, oh yeah, 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 whatever. You know, I'm fine. You know, I, there's nothing, no, nothing wrong. I, got, I don't got to worry about nothing. That's probably a red flag, right? That you're not doing what it says in Second Corinthians 13. You're not actually examining yourself. You're being presumptuous a little bit. Um, the other side of the of the of the coin would be, um, I've sinned so bad, God can never take me. You know, God will never accept me. We're less likely to see that within our walls, but that's happening big time out there. You know, and so so we need to be, you know, prophetically giving people both the love of God and 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 the and the uh, both both the law and the gospel, both the law and the gospel. I'm gonna go ahead and end the recording here. We can keep on talking offline, but uh, I'm gonna end the recording at this point. Uh, those of y'all on Zoom or, or listening, God bless. Mm-hmm.